Hello, folks. Thank you for uh, coming today. We are listening to Hitting the High Notes is a Utah Jazz podcast. And uh, we're now part of the Unwrapped Sports Network, where you can uh, listen to a lot of jazz talk. Uh, there are 76ers podcasts. We got football, basketball. So thanks for joining in. Um, and I, I like to live in hyperbole. Uh, I am your host, Hutran, and I. I, I, I don't think I'm overstating it. This is probably the biggest episode we've ever had here on Hitting the High Notes in our you know long two-month history. I have the managing editor of Salt City Hoops, Dan Clayton, on the line today. Hey there. Hey, Dan. How you doing? Good. Uh, glad to be back with you um, on, this, uh, on this fun podcast, a new podcast, but love what you're doing. And, um, you know, you're a great a great Twitter follow and someone that's always been fun to interact with, especially once I figured out that, uh, that sarcasm filter. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I, I just like to make fun of jazz fans, I guess. And so I was, <laughs> I was really trying to, then I was like, Oh, he's taking this seriously. I need to let him know that I'm just, you know, being facetious here. So I know, I know. Well, I, and my, my brand on Twitter for better or worse is to kind of be well, actually guy more often than I probably <laughs> should. So I, I kind of just jump to like correcting people and then you're like, Dan, I was joking. So, um, you know, I don't know. That's, that probably says a lot about both of our, uh, both of our MOs, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, glad to be back with you. Speaking of great follows, follow Dan Clayton on Twitter at Dan Clayton, but instead of an O in his last name, just uses the number zero. So, uh, you know, he, that, that's how you find him. He's very good. So I know Dan's busy, so let's get to the questions. Uh, we're doing a, a big salary cap uh, questions uh, and free agent podcast here today. So uh, that's why I say it's the biggest uh, episode we've had. So first off, Dan, what is a salary cap? And should I be worried that the Jazz either have too much or not enough of it? <laughs> so, um, okay, wait, uh, hold on. Before I jump into well, actually mode, is this an ask, an actual question? Am I giving <laughs> no. you an actual answer here? You're not going to give me. I, I hope. I really hope if they're listening to this, they know yeah, what mo- a salary most, cap is. <laughs> most people understand the basics, right? Like but, you, teams can't spend into oblivion without right. you know. Yeah, without some parameters. So the reason you're on is because we have a lot of questions about what the Jazz can and cannot do. Uh, one big question I've been seeing on Facebook, Twitter, all the all the social medias, is that uh, um, the Jazz, a lot of Jazz fans are hoping to use the cap space that we have to sign a big marquee free agent, and then they want to get some role players or at least another big role guy, but they want to use the MLE or the mid-level exception. And uh, can you explain to us why I, I've been telling people it's not possible? Now, this could be for my own edification. Am I wrong, or is there a way the Jazz can somehow use the MLE and cap space in the same year? No. So you, yeah, you're technically right. Although there are three, there are three different levels of of what's called the mid-level exception in the actual collective bargaining agreement. Oh. Um, so there's the there's the full mid-level. And that's the one that people assume that the Jazz can use their cap space and still use the full mid-level. And that's actually inaccurate. In order to use cap space, you actually have to relinquish all your cap exceptions. And that includes the mid-level exception, which this year is going to be close to $9 million. We don't know the exact amount yet because it depends on how much exactly the salary cap overall goes up from last season. It's based on a percentage increase. But it's going to be right around $9 million, you know, 8.8, 8.9, somewhere in there. And um, and so in order for the Jazz to have cap space to spend in the first place, they have to they have to officially rescind that exception 
to go under the cap, which means they can't then spend up to the cap and say, oh, wait, now we want to spend that that eight point nine million or whatever it is. Now, there are a couple of mini versions of the mid-level. There's one that is specifically for teams that are so far over the salary cap that they're paying luxury tax. And then there's what's called a room mid-level. The room mid-level is actually specifically designed for teams who have gone under the cap, then spent all of their cap space, and then want to sign someone to, you know, a small deal, but it, it, it's not as good as the full mid-level. It's not a nine million exception. It'll be somewhere under five million this year. It'll be it'll be between four and a half and five million. Um, so the Jazz will have that as a tool to add players after they spend their cap space. Um, but obviously, you know, four point five to five million. That's not going to be enough to add a meaningful impact player. It's not going to be enough. One scenario a lot of people have said it is, you know, can the Jazz use cap space and then use the mid-level to re-sign Ricky Rubio? I could be wrong, but I don't think Ricky Rubio is going to wind up signing for less than $5 million. Derek Favors certainly is not going to re-sign for under $5 million. So, um, you know, there are some things that they could do with that, with that mini, the, the room mid-level exception. But by and large, you're right that the that the tradition, what we all know is the mid-level, that that nine million, that that decent size way that teams can can add kind of rotation to your talent that it that in its entirety won't be available to the Jazz if they choose to go under the salary cap. Right. So July 1st is the kind of the big date where the Jazz or, or, or any team really has to kind of say, you know what, we're going to be an under-the-cap team or or an over-the-cap team. Over-the-cap teams will have that full MLE, and under-the-cap teams will have different exceptions to use, I guess. So Yeah, well, they'll have their cap space to use. And and what's actually interesting about it is the Jazz will make that decision by July 1st, like you said, but then then they can actually be flexible. So, you know, depending on what the market does, um, in other words, they could keep all of their free agent rights intact for now, just so they right. have them if they need them. They could they could keep Ricky Rubio's free agent rights and keep Epe Udo and Tabo Cephalosha's free agent rights, um, keep their exceptions, keep their draft pick capital. You know, they could keep all those things intact and go into July as a quote unquote over the cap team, an exceptions team. And then if the right free agent says hey, I want to go play in Utah, they can they can then go and rescind the free agent holds for Rubio and Udo and Cephalosha. They can rescind their exceptions and go under the cap. So it's not sort of a once you decide you're you're committed to that path forever and always, you just have to have enough things that you can rescind and enough enough holds that you can remove from your salary sheet in order to get under the cap far enough to actually spend. Right. Right. And so, uh, so that actually brings me to my next question about, uh, cap holds. Um, it seems like the jazz have, there's the three big cap holds that I know of this year are Rubio, Epke and, uh, Thabo. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like maybe give people a little refresher. Uh, you can, you kind of mentioned what the cap holds were, but maybe for the uneducated, the unsullied, I guess. <laughs> Well, I mean, even, you know, this is something that even, even serious fans, you know, cap hold isn't, <laughs> it's kind of cap minutia. It's not something that, that everybody knows. Um, a cap hold is basically just it, it, the, the technical name for it is a free agent amount. Um, 
So in the collective bargaining agreement, it spells out that every team for every free agent they have, they have to reserve a, a portion a portion of their cap space um, in order to be able to claim the rights to to re-sign that player. Um, so in order for the Jazz to have Ricky Rubio's bird rights and be able to re-sign him at at amounts that exceed the exceptions or the cap space they have, then what they what they have to be able to do is basically like reserve that amount of money, which in his case it's one and a half times his salary from this season, which is you know sizable. Um, what is it? Twenty-ish million. Yeah, it winds up being about twenty-two million, twenty-two and a half. I think I'm working from memory here, but yeah. Um, so Ricky, you know, basically they they keep that they keep that there so that you know if they do decide to bring him back, they can do that for more than the mid-level exception um, for any for whichever mid-level exception you know they have available to them. Um, they can also use that to, to leverage his salary, his new salary in like a sign and trade scenario, sign and trades aren't as common as they used to be because the, the new collective bargaining agreement makes sign and trade agreements a little bit more toothless in terms of what teams can, can get back with a sign and trade deal. But basically, you know, they'll keep those free agent holds on the books until they until they know that they need to create space because it's it's better to have options than to not have options right so you know they will go into July I my guess is that they will go into July with Rubio Cephalosha and Udo's cap holds you know at least nominally in place even though I think everybody knows that they're certainly not bringing Cephalosha and Udo back if if those guys come back it'll probably be for veteran minimum contact contracts but you just until you until you know exactly how free agency is going to play out, it doesn't hurt you to keep those holds on your books. And then you have the option open to use them in trades to, to whatever. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's basically just a mechanism that keeps teams from using all their cap space and then going, Oh wait, Hey, now we want to resign our own guys. Right. The, the NBA wants you to retain your own guys, but they don't want you to pretend that you have cap space and then do that at the end. It's sort of a, a check in place to make sure that if you plan to exercise those rights, those, those bird rights to resign your own guys, that, uh, that you're kind of setting aside some money to do that. Yeah. So this is basically, uh, the reason why this, this mostly affects Rubio for this off season. Uh, cause there, there are some jazz fans who, I would say there's definitely a, a, a majority of jazz fans who feel like if the jazz could re-sign Rubio for a much smaller amount, uh, they would do that. But you have to rescind his rights first, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. They, no, they could, they could re-sign him for a smaller amount. Um, oh, but they wouldn't they, want to get a max free agent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but then that's, but then that amount, whatever salary they signed him to would then replace his cap hold on their books. So right now his cap hold is 22.4. If they, let's say they re-signed him at 12 million and they did that before they went out and did other spending, then now his, his cap hold of 22.4 gets wiped away and his Uh actual new salary um, then gets slotted on the books. So it's it's just an amount that kind of holds that spot until he signs elsewhere. Um, in which case, you know, his, he, he moves to $0 on the jazz's cap sheet or until he signs a new deal. 
Gotcha. See, th- this is for my own edification too, because um, I didn't, I forgot that aspect of the capital. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, really, like there are a lot of scenarios in which the order in which you sign guys can make a big difference. Um, you know, we saw that with with Boston the year that they acquired Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. They they timed transactions in such a way that that uh, you know they could they could maximize the 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 tools they needed to use the cap tools, both in terms of, you know, trade and, and free agent, um, you know, free agent mechanisms so that they could sign both of the, you know, so they can add both of those guys to their roster. Um, you know, there's a real, there's a real art to that, but in, in Rubio's case, I think if the jazz want to keep him, um, then they will look to lock him up early because he certainly isn't going to be a $22 million player in free agency. So if they want to keep him, it, it benefits them, to, to sign him early so that then his, whatever his new salary is going to be becomes his cap amount. But, you know, with, with Ricky and I know, you know, this is a judgment thing and not a cap thing, but it's tough with Ricky, right? Because he's so, he's such an important guy in terms of the culture and in terms of his leadership and in terms of what he brings to the locker room. He's also, you know, for reasons that we've been talking about for a couple of years now, there are times where he's an odd fit from a basketball perspective. And that's especially true when the jazz play with two bigs. And so, you know, his future is certainly intertwined with favors. I I don't think the jazz will keep both of those veterans going forward. I I definitely think it's one or the other, because I I don't think you can keep playing Rubio favors Gobert almost regardless of who the other two in in that lineup are. So um, plus the fact that, you know, frankly, they, they're going to need, additional cap flexibility to go after anyone halfway decent and they can't really get cap flexibility this summer without doing something with Rubio or favors. And I, I know Dan mentioned the, the, the Gordon H word on this podcast. So I hope everybody's still listening. Uh, oh, I'm, you know, am I not allowed? Uh, <laughs> we'll bleep that out in post-production. There, there, are, some, guess, there right? are some fans who don't want to hear his name and I, I have news for them. That name <laughs> might actually come back a little bit later in the podcast. We'll see. <laughs> All right. He so, is still an um, NBA player. Right, right. So <laughs> um, uh, so you mentioned Favors, and uh, he's a guy that the Jazz, you know, he's been with the Jazz for a while. He's the longest tenured Jazz man. There are, uh, he's another kind of polarizing player. Uh, like every year, it seems like the Jazz are looking, or Jazz fans are looking to figure out how to trade him in the first half of the year. And by the for end sure. of the year, they're like, well, how can we keep Derek Favors? Like, yep. what is the way we can keep Derek Favors? And uh, I'm going to see if I get some audio here of Derek Favors talking about uh, during his exit interview about wanting to come back. I prefer to come back here. I have a team option. I need that option picked up. So, um, no, I prefer, I prefer to come back here. Um, you know, the grass not always green on the other side, you know, so I'm not going to look at it that way, saying I can start on most teams and, you know, I won't out or whatever. I'm not going to look at it that way. You know, I'm just going to um, – Wherever I'm at, I'm happy with it. If I'm back here, you know, I'm excited. I'm going to come back, work hard, and try to improve on, on last year. And, you know, I'm not going to look too far ahead into the future. You know, I'm happy in the situation that I'm in, in the position that I'm in. Um, I think it's good for me and the organization. So, you know, we'll see what happens. And so he talks about wanting to come back. And uh, that's leading a lot of Jazz fans to believe that maybe he'll give the Jazz a hometown discount. And you talk about this in your QA on uh, Salt City Hoops about yeah. how it's not a team option. If the Jazz yeah. want to get rid of his salary, they actually have to waive Derek Favors. 
Yeah, exactly. There, there's really no hometown discount. If Derek Favors is with the Utah Jazz next season, it will be for the seventeen point six five million dollar contract that he's that he's that he's under contract for, but it's a non guaranteed salary. Um, for the Jazz to clear that salary from their books, they'd have to waive him by July seventh. And here's the thing: there are two problems with the with the logic of oh, well, they can just waive him to clear that cap hold. And then, uh, and then, you know, come back with a lower offer. Number one is why the hell would Derek Favors want to do that? Why would Derek Favors want to play along with, Hey, we owe you 17.6 million, but we want to do this cap maneuver to pay you less money. Like if your boss came to you who, and said, um, I know that your salary is this much, but we'd instead like you to take less than that by 20% or 40% or 50% and play more years with us. Yeah, exactly. So that's problem. Number one is that, is that I don't know that favors a guy who, if we're honest, might have been Utah's third best player over the course of this most recent season. I, um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, he may, he may be feeling like, you know, I've earned every bit of this 17.6. Um, and, uh, and by the way, he had, when I say earned every bit of it, remember it was supposed to be 16.9 and then he pushed that number higher by, by meeting some performance targets. So he literally earned his, you know, yeah. played his salary higher. Those, those were unlikely, unlikely incentives that he hit. Yeah. Those were, those were not figured into the salary cap because they were unlikely and he earned almost a million dollars more. Yep. Um, uh, and the other reason that it's problematic is because, um, since the jazz would have to waive him to clear that the other reality is that, um, is that there is a waiver claim process. And once you waive a guy, other NBA teams have 48 hours to, to get, basically swoop in and pick that guy up that you waived. It's how the jazz originally picked up Joe Ingles when the, when the Clippers waived him, the jazz didn't wait for. Joe Ingles to become a free agent and then go negotiate a contract with him. They just claimed him off of waivers and teams can do that with favors. Now teams in the past rarely have for a player in, in favor salary tier waiver claims usually happen with minimum contract players, not with guys making, you know, in the mid to high teens. But the, the difference is this season, this off season, rather about a third to a half of the NBA has enough cap space to absorb favors outright. And, you know, most of them are planning to use that cap space to go after major free agents, but there's not that many major free agents. So for the teams that miss out on the Jimmy Butler's and the Chris Middleton's and the Tobias Harris's and the Kawhi Leonard's and whoever else winds up being a free agent, you know, someone is going to look at that and say, oh, well, hey, you know, favors for one year at 17 million, that's actually a pretty good price for a starting caliber center slash power forward who's playing at the level that he played at. So I don't even think favors would make it to free agency. I really don't. I know that there are people who disagree with me there because guys making 17 million usually don't get waiver claimed, but guys also usually don't get waived who are playing that good at basketball at 17 million. So I, I think there's a pretty good chance that favors would never become a free agent and the jazz wouldn't even have an opportunity to sit down with him and say, okay, let's find a number that both sides can be happy with. I think that if they want to keep him into next season, they have to just bite the bullet and pay that 17.6 million. You're crushing so many jazz fans dreams. I'm right sorry. Now. They want to I'm sign sorry. a lot of jazz fans want to sign a free agent, but keep Derek favors. 
And, you know, like there are ways you can do that. You just have to do some other cap gymnastics, right? Right. So, so let's say, um, I have the, I have the handy dandy salary cap calculator open at Salt City Hoops. Um, oh, let's, what a plug. Let's say, a plug. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> the, I mean, I built the ding thing. I should, I should be able to convince people <laughs> to use it. Um, so let's say that the jazz rescind the rights to their three free agents. You gotta, let's say, that free agency. Yeah. Let's say that they waive Neto, which I know won't be popular and you know, people like him. He's a, he's a good third string point guard. He's close to Rudy Gobert. So that's tough to swallow, but he's just, he's at a salary level where I think if they want to make a, a play for cap space, and especially if they want to keep anybody and still make a play for cap space, they have to wave Neto. I don't think they'll wave O'Neal or Nyang because their salaries are so low that there's not that big of a difference between their salaries and just the, the roster hold that they'd have to, that they'd have to keep on their cap sheet. So, which is funny so it, because Neto's only two point like one million, and Royce is one point six. I mean, it's only half a million, but it makes a difference. Yeah, but the different, yeah, but the difference is like one of them is a high level rotation player who just got loads of publicity for shutting down James Harden for five, you know, for four of the five games, and also you know scoring seventeen points in game four, and like Royce O'Neal is a player like there's not a team in the league that wouldn't pick him up on that $1.6 million contract. If the jazz tried to waive him and resign him later, right. they just wouldn't, you know, he he's too good. Whereas Neto, you know, only teams with an exception could, could pick him up because he makes more than a minimum salary. He's, you know, I, I just think, I think, you know, you're right. It's only a half million, but it's, it's a, it's a bigger number than that in, in reality. So anyway, let's say that the jazz did all those things. They would have about 16 million in cap room if they wanted to keep favors. So that doesn't mean you can't get to 30 million. It just means that getting to 30 million means now you have to start having some, some other tough decisions like, Hey, do you trade Jay Crowder into someone's cap space? Cause if you do, you can get up to about 23 million in, in room. Do you wave and stretch Kyle Corver? Because if you do, you get up to about twenty-eight and a half million in cap space. Do you find someone who will take Tony Bradley off your hands? Tony Bradley hasn't been good. He only played thirty-five minutes for the Jazz last season. He's mostly been a D-League guy, despite being on a on a first-round contract. If you move him into someone's space, you can get up to twenty-nine point four million in cap room. So you can keep favors and still have enough cap room to go make someone an interesting offer, but it requires you to do some other, you know, to make some other decisions that might be kind of uncomfortable given what guys have produced recently. Yeah. I play, I was playing a lot of the salary cap calculator as well. Uh, I mean, to do that, you, I think to trade Tony Bradley, you have to get rid of the, the pick, maybe even trade your pick to get rid of him. Maybe, uh, you know, his salary is small enough that you, that you might have to give someone a second or maybe you, or maybe you put him in a deal with Crowder. Like maybe there's someone who wants yeah, Crowder and you say, okay, we give you Crowder, but you have to take Tony Bradley with him. Like there are some things like that, that the jazz could try it. But yeah, I mean, you know, Tony Bradley, I think your point is he's not a positive asset at 2 million in salary. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, teams aren't going to just want to pay Tony Bradley $2 million to wave a towel on their bench instead of waving towels on Utah's bench. But, uh, but that's where they're at with Tony. 
So uh, keeping with the Derek Favors. Um, okay, yeah. Sorry, that was a long that was a no, long uh, tangent to basically say you can do it, but it's it'd be tough. I mean, Derek Favors is the most interesting jazz free agent, I think, for jazz fans. Him and Rubio, so that's that's always good to talk about. So we're gonna bring up. Uh, so you talked about having him in trade scenarios. Um, today I got tagged in a uh, Twitter uh, poll, not a poll, but a Twitter thread uh, from Jordan Cummings, uh, Salt City Hoops. And he's proposing deals like Salt City Dunk, right? So Salt, 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 Salt City Dunk. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said D League. I let that. I let that slide. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> if people are like D League, it's G League, damn. The, well, the I just don't want to offend Jordan because uh, Jordan right. would Jordan right. would probably be like, "Well, you're, they're they're associating me with that ragtag <laughs> crew." But uh, <laughs> yeah, the Will Ashley crew is all over us now. So yeah, yeah. SLC Dunk. So. Um, he talks about like maybe trading favors to Denver uh, with a couple draft picks. Orlando gets Gary Harris and Utah gets Aaron Gordon because you know everybody loves three team trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Harris and Favors make about the same amount. So in your QA, you said to trade favors, it has to be a team that can absorb uh, favors seventeen and a half million. And that seems like it works if the if the Denver Nuggets give away a, a player of similar salary. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I just, I just meant, I just meant if they trade him before his contract is guaranteed, right? Then the Jazz, then the Jazz have to count his salary as zero in a yeah. trade, and the receiving team has to count him at the full seventeen point six five million. Right. That's not true if the Jazz wait to trade him until after his his contract becomes guaranteed. Then they just have to match salary. So a, so a favors for Harris swap is completely legal. You know, after July seventh. After July seventh. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's that, that's uh. So trading favors is going to be tricky to do before July seventh, basically. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is because you know, again, th- this is this is a way that they that they changed the salary cap rules so that people couldn't use these non guaranteed contracts to go out and fish for big salary. And then, and then the t- the team that they trade with just cuts loose the the non guaranteed contracts. It was basically teams were kind of using those contracts as a way to circumvent trade rules. So the NBA closed that loophole, and that makes him a very tough person to trade until his salary becomes guaranteed. Now that either happens on July seventh, or it happens if he and the Jazz agree to amend the contract and amend the amount of guarantee, uh, amend the, the guarantee details in the contract. But, oh. that's, but that's a two way negotiation. So in essence, what that does is it gives favors the right to say, okay, you want to guarantee my salary early so that you can use me in a trade. Well, what's the trade? Cause if I don't like the situation, I'm just going to say no. And then you either have to wait till July 7th or, you know, in some cases, Maybe they can't even use his salary at all because, you know, there might be a situation where something is available to them on draft night that's not going to be available on July 7th for for oh. certain reasons. So it just it's tricky if they're going to try to use him before July 7th. And and it gives him it gives favors a little bit more control to say, you know, am I interested in that situation? Yes or no. If if I'm not, then, you know. If I'm Derek Favors and I'm not interested in what the Jazz have in mind as a trade, I can kind of make that complicated by saying I, I don't want to amend the, the guarantee details. 
Oh, all right. Well, I, I didn't even know you could amend uh, his contract that, that way. That's, that's uh, news to me. So It's one of the few ways you can amend an existing contract is to, is to change the amount and, and, and dates for salary protection. So that's something the Jazz would have to do if they wanted to actually use his salary as outgoing salary in a trade. Otherwise, if they trade him before July 7th, he counts as zero on the Jazz's end of the trade. All right. And Jazz fans, before you start jumping into trying to like, oh, well, Favors would I, – I know I understand that Favors and the Jazz have a good relationship, but as Dan said earlier, it's like you and your relationship with your work. You might like it, but you're probably not going to give up a lot of money to help someone out unless it benefits you in some other way. Right, right. So, I mean, hey, hey, we want you to take a pay cut, and yeah. we want you to take a pay cut so that we can afford to pay someone else to come in and do part of your job for you. You know what I mean? Like – Favors is a smart guy. He knows that if they if they clear enough money for a major upgrade, it's probably going to be someone who, in one way or another, is going to cut into his role too. So it doesn't just cost him money this year; it also costs him, you know, some future opportunities and and you know could eat into his market value in future seasons if he goes from being a 24 minute per game player to an 18 minute per game player because they went out and got Tobias Harris and put Tobias Harris next to him in the front court, you know. Um, you're you're killing all our dreams. You're killing the jazz dream. Killing the jazz dream. Now, if it were if it were a point guard, you know, I know that a lot of fans like the like the Kemba Walker idea. I have no idea if the Jazz can get to Kemba, but you know, there are people who like that idea. There are people who like Malcolm Brogdon. You know, those scenarios you can probably you can probably still find a way to to you know keep favors minutes roughly the same. But I I'm just saying like. You know, players are rightfully so, you know, players believe in themselves. They're going to make decisions that they feel put them in the best position to, um, you know, to to be good, to continue to get minutes and opportunities and points and all the things that lead to to recognition and free agent dollars later in their careers. So, you know, it, it would be a lot to ask favors to just say, oh, yeah, take my money and also, you know, reallocate some of my minutes to some new dude. Right. Uh, and jazz fans, uh, like, I mean, I, I love the off season. I love speculating. I personally don't have a lot of jazz content. I have little, I, I, I know I can hear some rumblings here and there. Um, that's why we're not really getting too far into the Kemba Tobias Harris, um, Malcolm brought on debate because number one, I mean, if the jazz got any of those guys, that'd probably be a pretty good upgrade from what they have. I don't know if it solves everything that jazz need. But but I also don't know like what Tobias Harris. I, I don't know what Tobias Harris personally wants in his next contract. I don't know if he just wants money, if he wants years, or if he wants to play for jazz culture. Uh, a lot of stuff's gonna have to go into that. So we're not really getting all into that. We might, we might talk a little bit about it, but um, that's why we're not just saying, hey, you know, Tobias Harris on a scale of one to ten, is he coming to the Jazz? Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. Like you say, you, you we don't know what a particular free agent's priorities are. We don't know how how heavily he weights one thing versus the other thing. In Harris's case, there has been the rumor in the past that he's been interested in what Utah's doing, that that he's open to the idea of playing for Quinn Snyder and playing in Salt Lake City. But we don't know anything beyond that, right? right. We know that Brooklyn's probably gonna make a play for him. We know that Dallas will probably make a play for him. Philly will obviously try to keep him. A lot of teams are going to give Tobias Harris a look. And, um, y- you know, in a vacuum, when 
when we're all obsessed with one team and, and follow one team, and that's the team that we spend most of our time thinking about, it's easy to say, oh, you know, the Jazz's situation is so great. Why would he want to play anywhere else? But there are 30 teams that, you know, can make a decent case on on why they're right for a particular player, and you can't discount that without really understanding all the factors that are going to go into things. Thanks for listening. Hit that subscribe button to be updated whenever a new episode comes out. If you have a second, write us a five-star review. We'd love to give you a shout-out on the podcast. Also, we are sponsored by the Yamble app. It's an app you can download for free from the App Store. Yamble takes watching sports to a whole new level. When you sign up, you'll be given points to use to make takes on the game. For instance, during Raptors and Bucks Game 1, I wagered a lot of points that Giannis will get a steal and a block in the first half. If you win, Yamble pays out real cash to the top takes getters. That's Yamble with a Y, available for free in the App Store. Turn your viewing into winning. Let's get back to the show. I want to thank Tomcat340 on Twitter because he gave me a, a really good question in your mentions and you uh, talked about it in your QA about the perfect prototypical jazz player you want to see. Um, and I think you gave a great answer. And I, I'd like you to just tell the podcast audience who you think or what type of player you think the jazz are going to should pursue in free agency. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what I said to Tom. I remember that question. I, I remember it being a good question and a, and a good kind of launching pad to, to jump into off season discussion. I don't remember exactly what I said to him. So, you know, my answer might vary a little bit because, you know, on a different day of the week, we, right. <laughs> you know, depending on what I ate for breakfast today or whatever. But I think, look, broadly speaking, I think the jazz have realized now that they are short a creation option. Um, Ricky Rubio can create via the pick and roll, but he can't really like just go out and create something out of thin air. Um, Donovan Mitchell can, but he's still not very efficient at it. And because he's not efficient at it, teams are basically kind of letting him do it. And, and, and because he's the only option, they can do some unique things to him in terms of choking off his drives at the wrong point so that he can't really get going. And, and then suddenly the jazz really don't have any other way to just go out and generate a bucket. So they need someone who can just generate a bucket. And I don't even think it particularly matters what position it's at. Meaning I think, I think if the jazz added a, a Kemba Walker type, now I have concerns about Walker specifically just because um, then your backcourt is really small. And I've talked about that in some of my posts. Like I, I think Walker Mitchell is actually a backcourt that might be a defensive liability in some situations, but you know, strictly offensively speaking, if you went out and got a Kemba Walker and put him on this jazz team, then, you know, you're, you're pretty good and you can reallocate some minutes differently and you can play more small ball. And, um, it works, it works for CJ McCollum and Damon Lillard. So sure. Sure. Now, both <laughs> of those guys are, both of those guys are like six, three or bigger. And that's the difference, right? Uh, yeah. Um, Kemba is, is pretty tiny by NBA standards. He's not a, he's not a great defender. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Don't do it. I, I, I said this when uh, Charlotte played, or yeah, Charlotte played the Jazz. I said mm-hmm. that I said Kemba was one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Or I just said he was bad at defense. <laughs> I just said he was bad at defense, and he scored like forty-two on us that night. And people were coming at me, 
And I was just like, it's not a big surprise. Kemba is not, has never been known to be a good defender. I looked at the yeah. metrics. He's one of the worst. And I was like, it's, I don't know. I just, people, people were like, well, we have Rudy Gobert back there. And I just, it doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to wade into that because my, my whole, well, the jazz have Rudy Gobert thing is a, is a, um, is a logical fallacy that if I start talking about it, you'll like, I'll just be ranting for the next 10 minutes and this won't <laughs> and, be a fun podcast anymore. And Dan does not have that kind of time today, folks. He will have well, someday. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to hear a crazy old guy rant for that long is, <laughs> is more what I'm saying. But anyway, um, so back to the point, the, the point is like the jazz could add a guard that has that creation ability that like, go get me a bucket mentality and, and, and ability. Um, and then, and they'd be fine. They'd be able to kind of spread the minutes across the wing positions and everything, or they could go get a wing. Um, I, I, as much as I like Chris Middleton, I don't think he'll be gettable, but let's just use him as a proxy here for a minute. Right. You could get Chris Middleton and then kind of, again, reallocate things differently. Now you probably have Mitchell playing a little bit more, um, Point at guard. the one, and so that you can still get Joe Ingles on the court and you can still get Royce O'Neal on the court. You could do things that way, or you could go get a big who can create like a Tobias Harris and you'd be fine. You just, again, you'd be playing, you'd be playing some of those big wings at, at the smaller, you know, Joe Ingles would then become kind of a, a full-time two or three and, and you know, you'd pretty much be done playing Royce at the four for the most part. You'd, you know, so in other words, you could add that you could add that dynamic score at any position and make it work. It just really can't be a center because that's the one area where the Jazz know where 32 to 35 minutes a night are going to come from at center. And so, you know, Nikola Vucevic or someone in that mold doesn't make a lot of sense for them. But at just about any other position, you could th- this roster is pliable enough that you could plop a dynamic score like that in and make it work. And then the other thing that I either did mention to Tomcat 340 or I didn't. But but the other thing that's important is it has to be someone who doesn't cause them to have to rethink their whole defensive identity. And that doesn't mean that it has to be an amazing lockdown individual one-on-one defender because there are a few guys out there that that can do that and also are dynamic scorers. And, you know, Kawhi, there's only one Kawhi Leonard, so... Um, <laughs> We're getting Kawhi Leonard. Dan just said it. But but it has to be someone that who can at least execute a team defense, defensive concept and who knows where they're supposed to be. They're a committed defender. They try hard. You know, like, again, Tobias, not really an above average defender, but he's a guy who more often than not, he's in the right place. There are some techniques he could get better at. He's, he's almost never like down in a stance like you're supposed to be on defense. He could be a little bit more active with his hands and in, you know, pass off situation. Like there are a lot of things Tobias Harris could do better from a defensive standpoint, but he's not so bad that if the jazz get him, they, they go, Oh, well we're done being a top three defense now. Whereas if the jazz go get Danilo Gallinari or even Nikola Miritich, then suddenly it's not clear to me that the jazz can stay a top three defense. And I think it's really important for this jazz team to still be able to hang their hat on defense. That's how they win games. And, and even if they make a big jump on the offensive side of the ball, let's say they go from being an average offense to being a number eight or nine offense, you know, in order to compete for titles, 
you can't be the eight or ninth best offense and the eight or ninth best defense. You, you have to be either top five in both areas, or you have to be elite at one or the other. And I don't think the jazz are ever going to be elite at offense. I think they need to get, they need to get better at offense, but they need to still be able to say, Hey, we're a team that wins games on the defensive end. And so they, they just can't sacrifice too much to get that score. I mean, the NBA is all about not being in the middle. You have to be on one end or the other. So, um, uh, okay, this is the Gordon Haywood alert, folks. So, uh, oh, uh, yeah, we're, we're talk, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll call, I'll, I'll even call him Hayward for this. Uh, I think it's a little crazy that people are willing to throw max money at Tobias Harris, say, because uh, somebody had mentioned this on Twitter. I, I had even talked about it before about what if the Jazz could somehow give up nothing or very little at least and get Gordon Hayward back to Utah because we've seen Pete Gordon in Utah. We've seen what he can do. And uh, a lot of the argument is like, well, with that injury or with his play this year, he's not worth that money, but you're willing to throw $30 million at Tobias Harris, who hasn't really proven it as well as Gordon Hayward has in the past. Yeah. I mean, that's, what's funny is, is, if you were going to go into a laboratory and design the perfect player to complement Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, that player would have a lot of things in common with Gordon Hayward. <laughs> um, he can create off the dribble, but he also doesn't need the ball all the time. Um, he's big enough that he can play the three or the four. He can guard multiple positions. Um, assuming he gets a, a little bit closer to his old pre-injury self, he's he's basically pretty close to the perfect fit that you would want next to Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Now here's the tricky part. He's also a player who not that long ago, less than two calendar years ago, gave Rudy Gobert a big middle finger and said, you know, like Rudy was hurt by the way that played out. Rudy, Rudy has since admitted publicly to the fact that it bothered him that Gordon Hayward wasn't returning his calls and wouldn't discuss the decision with him and, and basically blew him off and then went and ran off to Boston. And then when he did, Rudy Gobert went out to Instagram and, and, and grammed himself singing along with these hoes ain't loyal by Chris Brown. So he was just, he was just listening to music, man. He was just listening to music. (laughs) So like, there's obviously (laughs) some bad feelings there. So that's where it gets tricky is before you would even, before you would even like, really get into the weeds of negotiating with Boston on this type of a deal, you'd have to go make sure that your best player was okay with it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Rudy Gobert doesn't have that much contract left. I, I know that it feels like he's locked in for a long time, but he's really not. And so if you're doing things right now that are going to tick off Gobert, you're really hurting yourself in the long run. So I'm sure that I'm sure that Gobert's a grown up. He knows how the league works. Um, you know, as long as they gave him a chance to weigh in and, and stuff like that. Uh, it's, I mean, honestly, it's more of a thought exercise than anything, because let's be honest, this is the fact that Boston would just give up on him and trade him into cap space is a little silly. I don't there's, think it's actually going to happen. There's no but, there's no way Gordon Hayward is trading back to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just as an intellectual exercise, right. it is it is funny because, you know, if if Hayward, if 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 somehow 80 percent of jazz era Hayward was was back in a jazz uniform playing next to this version of Donovan Mitchell because you know you could make the argument in fact I have made the argument that I'm not a hundred percent percent sure 
that Donovan Mitchell's development arc looks the way it does if if Hayward had stayed, right? Like the right. Jazz drafted him already, so he was going to be in a Jazz uniform either way. But would he have had all of the same opportunities? Would he have had the same? Um, he was forced a lot of touches at the beginning of, beginning of his career. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they by set by sheer necessity and almost by default made him the number one option way earlier than they planned to. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in like greatness doesn't hide. Like eventually Donovan Mitchell would have shown out and we would have seen this from Donovan, but maybe not in year one, maybe not even in year two to this degree. But now that, now that we have seen that version of Donovan Mitchell, now that he has blossomed into one of the league's most exciting young stars, if you could put him next to, someone that was 80% as good as, as Utah era Hayward. Um, it, it is fascinating. It is an interesting question. It won't happen, but the fact that it's the fact that it's being discussed is, uh, is kind of funny given how raw emotions were, you know, 23 months ago. Now, now I want to go into the multiverse and see this, uh, see this universe where, uh, Donovan Mitchell, we're arguing Donovan Mitchell versus, uh, Pascal Siakam for the most improved player this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan, you know, I've been saying all year long that I've I trust in Dennis Lindsay and trust that the Jazz have a good plan going into the off season. And just last week, they decided to promote Dennis Lindsay to VP of Basketball Operation Operations and give Justin Zanuck the GM reins. Uh, do you have any thoughts about uh, that change uh, for the Jazz off season? Yeah, I mean, it's it's great news for both of those guys. I honestly don't know that it'll change that much about how the Jazz operate. Um, obviously, as an executive vice president of basketball operations, Dennis is still going to be integrally involved in decision making. It's it's not like he's going to just hand over the reins to the team um, to Justin. And and by the way, by that same token, Justin was already a very involved assistant GM. Um, he wanted the title. He, he wanted to be a GM someday. Um, he, he initially left Utah the first time because he thought he was stepping into a situation in Milwaukee where he would be the heir apparent. Um, you know, when that situation changed, you know, he, he thought he'd get the GM role there. So I think this is mostly about, you know, them giving Zanuck a, a title and a paycheck that matches his contributions. Um, I think they want to keep him with the jazz and this was the way to do it without really downgrading Dennis Lindsay's role at all. I, I still think he'll be a big decision maker for Utah. Um, so, so I guess, you know, that's a, that's maybe not a sexy answer because it would be more fun to say, Oh, everything's going to change. The jazz are going to operate completely differently now, but I, I don't think they are. I think Lindsay and Zanuck were already pretty aligned on, on their broad approach to running the team and on specific personnel issues. So I, I don't think a lot is going to change other than, you know, I guess if there's one thing to look forward to Zanuck, because he came from being a player agent, he does have a, a very different, you know, set of contacts in his, in his phone book in terms of, you know, he's worked with people on the shoe deal side of things. He's worked with people, to find, you know, additional revenue streams for his clients. He's worked with people on ad opportunities and endorsement opportunities and those sorts of things. So maybe having someone who's been a little bit more involved with all those sides of the business just empowers Utah to, to um, you know, 
paint a, a broader value proposition for potential free agents. But by and large, I think, you know, the team before last week's promotions was Dennis and Justin. And I think going forward, the team is going to be Dennis and Justin. And that's who's going to um, step in to the room with free agents this July and, and sit down to talk. And, you know, they'll do it with a slightly longer business card. But uh, I don't I don't think that's a bad thing in either in either case. I mean, I know Jonathan has freaked out about losing assistant head coaches. Uh, they, I don't know if they follow along as well as you know some of us who are kind of in it. But losing Justin Zanuck because he was he was a hot name out there. So uh, I yeah, think voting did, him. Yeah, he was going to be in every single GM search this summer. He was he's that sought after, and so this was the Jazz basically saying, "You don't have to leave Utah to get the GM title. We'll take care of you." Right. So, yeah, and again, I, I believe the Jazz front office has had a plan from day one. And it may not be fast. It may not be as fast as some Jazz fans would like. But the Jazz fans are still on – or Jazz teams, excuse me, are still on the up and up. Uh, this is probably – I don't – I don't. this might be too hyperbole for this, but might be one of the most important off-seasons for the Jazz, at least in recent history. Uh, the Jazz have some cap space right now because Donovan's still on the rookie deal, but – Eventually, we're going to be paying, or the Jazz are going to be paying Rudy and Donovan a lot of money, and so you, you know this is probably the time to make a move to get a guy. Yeah, or, I mean, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was say, or I mean, a, a lot of Jazz fans, I think, would be disappointed if we didn't get the quote-unquote third star. But there's more than one way to make an omelet. Uh, if the Jazz figured out how to use their cap space to sign two guys that maybe that are off the radar. I think it'd be okay too that you know we may not get the big sexy third quote unquote star, but the Jazz, uh, I, I believe Lindsey Zanuck and the rest of the front, front office have a plan. Well, I mean, think about the last time that the Jazz ascended to like conference finalist status, right? Uh, Darren Williams, Jazz. Yeah, it, it was yeah. it was because they it was because they drafted a guy who became a stud, and it was because they signed some dudes in Boozer and Memo Kerr who were a little bit under the radar, not really thought of as stars, but the jazz saw skill sets there that they thought could expand. And they did. And both of those guys wound up being all stars during their jazz tenures. So that is one way to do it. I, I don't think that's the jazz's approach this off season. I think they want a ready-made 20 point per game dynamic score who can instantly take some pressure off of Donovan. Um, but to your point that if, if, if that's not how the omelet comes together, then they can, then they can try something else. And the other thing is, you know, Donovan still has a, another year left on his, uh, rookie deal. on his rookie deal before, um, or actually another two years left on his rookie deal before an extension would kick in. So, you know, if worse comes to worse, they could kick things forward another year. They could re-sign guys on one year contracts and, run it back with roughly the same squad and try again next season. Just, it doesn't sound like that's what anybody wants, including, <laughs> especially fans, but including Dennis and Justin. I, I think that they are ready to move this team off of the, you know, perpetually interesting, but not really a contender yet tier. You know what I mean? Like they want this team to move past 50 wins and, and uh, you know, be a team that, that people fear in the Western playoffs. And I think I'm uh, being beaten by Houston in the first round has kind of cemented that thought process, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could hear in the way that Dennis was talking 
um, at locker clean out less than 24 hours after, after that series ended that he was, you know, that, that he wanted to do more to improve the team. Um, I still think, you know, and, and you didn't ask me this, so I'm freestyling a little here, but <laughs> like, I, I, I still think that the jazz are not as far from Houston as four one makes it sound because I think that their defense by and large worked in that series. Um, and the jazz had a historically bad performance on open shots. And yet they, even with that, they were like basically two shots away, you know, one shot in game three, one shot in game five. If, if, if three, one additional shot falls in, in each of those games, they probably go back to Utah up three, two. So you know, I'm not ready to buy the premise that Utah is in a completely different zip code as a team than Houston. But as Dennis said, when he got up there at locker clean out, you, you can't argue with results. And right now the results say that the Jazz are a good team and not a great team. And and he said that and he said that he wants to he wants to take them to the next level. So I think they'll be aggressive. And uh, and I, I definitely think that plan A is not let's just kick the can and, and try again next summer, but that might be what they're left with. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, thank you. I know you are super busy right now and, um, uh, thank you for taking the time to ed- uh, educate me and, uh, some of the jazz <laughs> fans. Cause I know we, uh, the summer cap is not easy. I, I read through, uh, Larry, like you're the Larry Coon for Utah jazz. Like I, I read through his CBA FAQ a lot. Uh, to just so I can, and I, I forget a lot of things sometimes. I don't even know everything that could be uh, done with the salary cap. So um, I hope if the Jazz ever need a salary cap expert, I hope they um, bring you in. That way um, uh, you have more time with your family. Well, I think that <laughs> I think they have my phone number. So yeah, we'll oh. I'll, I'll I'll sit by the phone for that one. <laughs> uh, well, uh, again, uh, thank you, folks, for joining us on hitting the high notes. You can follow Dan Clayton, managing editor of Salt City Hoops, at at Dan Clayton. Uh, instead of a O, just replace it with a zero on his Twitter. Again, he he answers questions. He takes questions all the time. I think you're working on a, another Q and A coming up. I am. Yeah, it's actually written, and I haven't published it yet because, oh. again, I have to like sit still in front of a computer for long enough to to click publish. But yeah, hey. that'll be coming soon. Hey, see that's that's a tease, folks. Listen to the podcast. Read his article. Uh, you can follow the jazz, uh, high notes at jazz high notes on Twitter, or you can follow me personally right now. Um, I'm not as mad about game of Thrones as everybody else. So come and uh, <laughs> hang out with me, uh, at who tran H U U T R A N Superman, like the superhero. Uh, again, I'm uh, you know, Dan, we'll love to have you come back. Maybe, maybe around draft time. You're not a big draft guy, are you? Uh, I'm not a big like draft scouting guy. I don't, I don't watch enough NCAA to know what I'm talking about, but, I am very into like the the transaction stuff around the draft, right. so I'm sure I'll be I'm sure I'll be uh, getting getting into that. I'll be honest uh, with the Jazz at the number you know twenty whatever pick they are. I don't pay attention that much. <laughs> like it's like <laughs> it's, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard for me to think that the Jazz are going to hit a home run at twenty. And not just the Jazz. I think a lot of teams. That's the way the draft is. So I don't. Yeah, sure. I I, and, I like to focus more on speculating on free agents coming to Utah. Sure, sure. I think this is a year that that uh, that draft pick could wind up being a, a better asset than an actual draft pick. So we'll, we'll that would be have to keep an eye on that. I wonder yeah. if the Jazz could turn that because my thought is the Jazz. Uh, it's a twenty-three pick. Is but you know there are some teams out there who could use a late 
a late first you know, Yeah, as a sweetener, sure. I don't think that pick alone is going to get you anything too good. But, you know, again, Crowder and a pick and Tony Bradley or, you know, something in that in that vein might be might be the right deal to help Utah into the cap space they need while, you know, giving them an option to to bring someone back that they that they're mildly intrigued with. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll keep an eye on it. But uh, obviously a lot of possibilities um, for that for that pick in terms of the way that the ways that the jazz could use it. All right, Dan. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you know, everybody be nice to Dan on Twitter. He's, he's got a lot going on. So uh, I know you're going to be busy, real busy coming up here. So, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll hook up again later in the season or off season. And, uh, we'll talk to you again here on hitting the high notes. All right. Take care.